1973, my dream life was completely planned. I would marry my boyfriend. We would have a family. I would stay at home with the kids while he made a nice living for us. We would be active in our local church and we would help make our community a better place. Believe it or not, my dream worked out really well until 1989. That fall, my dream began to crumble and parts of my life became a nightmare. In 1991, my marriage ended in a devastating divorce. In 1997, my oldest son graduated from high school with big plans for his future. Two weeks later, he died in a tragic accident. In 2003, my mom was diagnosed with advanced ovarian cancer. In 2004, eight days before mom died, my second husband was critically injured in a tree trimming accident. He was unconscious for several days and on life support in a critical care unit. Eight days following my mom's death, my husband died. There were a lot of dark days in those 15 years. A lot of grief, a lot of loneliness, a lot of wondering, and some anger. But when my son died, I began to understand the meaning of John 3.16, the verse I had memorized as a child. I began to see that God cannot be fully understood, but He can be trusted. His love for me is so great that He chose to send His only Son to die in my place. I think as churchgoers, we have heard this verse, this story, so often that we become numb to the sacrifice that took place. Try to imagine sending your innocent son to endure unspeakable torture and die an unimaginable death because of someone else's bad choices. None of us would ever consider doing that, and thank God we don't have to. I've come to two conclusions. Because God's love is so much greater than anyone can imagine, we can trust Him. We will probably never understand the reasons behind crisis, suffering, and tragedy, but because we can trust Him, we don't have to understand. Second, forgiving is essential to joy. Whether the other pers person repents is not essential. If God's great love forgives the worst possible sin, then surely with God's love in me, I can forgive also. It isn't easy. In fact, it's downright difficult a lot of the time. But our Father walks with us through our darkest moments. He gives us the courage to forgive. The psalmist tells us he is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I've been crushed in spirit more than once, and a lot of you have too. But I know now that God is writing my story. There was nothing wrong with the dream life I had planned at 19 years old, except that God had something different in mind. And because He loves me enough to give up His Son for me, I choose to trust Him. Amen. I appreciate Marcy making herself vulnerable to us today, letting us see some of the pain that she has been through, and it's been a lot. As Mark Scott said last week, the question of pain and suffering in our lives is a very hard one to figure out. Uh, and we will all find ourselves there someday because pain seems to have a way of, of catching up with us, maybe not to the degree that Marcy has experienced, but in varying degrees, each of us will deal with pain 
and suffering. And oftentimes when we are amidst that suffering, as Marcy has said and, and Dusty has said this morning, there's that question of why. Why am I going through suffering? Why? And then there are other questions that are right alongside of the question of why. There is the question of where. Where is God amidst all this suffering? And then there is the question of how. How could God allow this to happen to me? If He really is a God of love, how could He let this happen? And it's not just our own trials that we are trying to find answers for. We look around us, the whole world, there is such chaos there and anger and, and hatred and brutality. And, and we're trying to figure all of that out too. Just a, a couple of weeks ago, we saw a second American journalist beheaded by the Islam militants in the Middle East. And someone might ask, where is God amidst all of this? We see Christian people in Iraq being martyred for their faith. They are unwilling to give up their faith in Jesus. They had rather lose their head than to give up their faith. And so that's what is happening. And, and, and they are watching as their wives and their daughters are being raped and their sons are being killed. And, and we may be asking, where is God amidst all of this? We see pictures of little kids that, that are stolen away and they are uh, forced to live a life of prostitution and, and, and they are put into slavery and hopelessness. And, and again, we may ask the question, where is God? Why does God let these kinds of things happen? We see the natural disasters happen all around us the, in our country and, and across the globe. And we say, where is God. How could a God of love let all of this happen? I'm thinking of my good friend Charles Parsons. Many of you may know Charles and he may be your friend as well. I, as well. I will never forget the morning, probably, what, 11 years ago, that uh, Charles and Brenda got word that their son Gabe was killed in a car accident just south of town and they called us and and told us, and I went immediately to be with Charles and Brenda, and I will never forget their pain and their suffering. It's etched in my mind. And now Charles has been diagnosed with cancer, and his future is uncertain. And in the meantime, their daughter Carly, who's 22 years old, is suffering from Crohn's disease, and, and her future is certain to be filled with pain and suffering. And I sometimes wonder where where is God amidst all this suffering my brother-in-law Stan just is now recovering from open heart surgery a week ago and probably about eight weeks ago he had a stroke in his left eye and he lost all of the vision in his eye he has been without a job for over a year now and it just seems to be one thing after another coming against him and, and my sister. And someone may be, well, asking, where is God amidst all of this suffering? Why doesn't he put a stop to all of this suffering if indeed he is a God of love? I don't suspect that we'll find all of the answers today to questions that you might have, but I think that I can give to you some things to think about. First of all, this morning, I want to address this, this subject of the source of suffering. Where 
does suffering come from? Who is responsible for all of this suffering that we see and sometimes this suffering that we ourselves experience? Number one, sometimes, and this may be a hard pill for us to swallow, we are the source of our own suffering. Isn't that true? Now, note I didn't say all the time we are the source of our own suffering, but sometimes we are the source of our own suffering. The smoker gets lung cancer. The alcoholic gets cirrhosis of the liver. He may, in fact, lose his marriage and his family due to all of the problems that come from his alcoholism. Just a couple of weeks ago, I learned of a a friend uh, who had used to be here in our church, and they moved away, and and their marriage is, is just disintegrated because of his alcoholism. It happens. Sometimes we bring suffering upon ourselves. The sexually free person may get a sexually transmitted disease. The gambler may lose everything that he or she has simply because they continue to put their money on the table. The student who doesn't study may lose his his classes. He may fail his classes. He may lose money. He may lose his scholarships. And maybe even the hopes of graduation are lost. Sometimes we bring suffering upon ourselves. Numbers chapter 32 verse 23 says, You may be sure that your sin will find you out. Sometimes our sin does catch up with us, or we might say it this way. Sometimes our own wrong choices or our own foolishness catches up with us, and there is a high price that we have to say, that we have to pay. Now let me say this. In these instances, let's not point the finger at God and blame Him. If we are the one who has brought suffering upon ourselves, why would we point the finger at God and blame Him? I guess it's just really easy to do that, isn't it? To blame God for everything that happens. But it's not always God's fault. How about this? Sometimes our suffering comes upon us because of someone else. In the movie last week, if you were here Sunday evening and saw that movie, we saw a person whose little child was killed because of a drunk driver. And that hits really close to home to some in our own church family. I know a number of you here know who Pashan Steps is here in town. Many of you uh, know his story. His life was drastically changed because of someone else's sin or blunder. A drunk driver hit him, and he's been in a wheelchair for, the re- for all of these years since then. Sometimes our suffering comes because of somebody else's sin or somebody else's blunder. A mom and a dad get a divorce. Oftentimes, it's the kid's who suffer and they pay a very high price. What about this? Another source of suffering. Sometimes our suffering is a result of God's discipline to us. Now this one's tough. And I I even question in in my own mind whether I I bring it up to you. But but it is a point in Scripture and we cannot ignore it. Sometimes, and note I did not say all of the time, but sometimes... God disciplines us as a father disciplines 
his child. And we see that in Scripture. The book of Hebrews talks about God's discipline and compares that to an earthly father giving discipline to his child. Now, we have to have a lot of discernment from the Holy Spirit as we look at our own suffering and before we ever say, this is God, God's discipline to me, we need to know for sure that that is the case and the Holy Spirit can help us come to that conclusion. I'm just thinking of different instances in the Bible. Moses was not permitted to go into the promised land because he lost his temper. Gehazi was inflicted with leprosy because he was deceitful. Herod in the New Testament, he was eaten with worms and died because he assumed glory that that belonged only to God. I've been reading through the book of Exodus and the book of Numbers here recently in the Old Testament, and there are lots of times that God's disciplinary hand came upon the people of Israel because of their chronic complaining. I'm thinking of of the story that Jesus told in the New Testament, the story of the prodigal son, and he went away and he squandered everything that he had, and he ended up in the hog pen, and he had a very hard life there for, for quite a while. I think that was the disciplinary hand of God. Now, it was also due to his own foolishness, to his own sin. But God can take our situation and use it in a disciplinary manner towards us. He wants to get our attention. But I think we have to be careful that we don't blame God for those things that He's not having any part in. But we do have to admit, sometimes a person is disciplined by God and God's discipline can be very very hard. What about this? Sometimes we may suffer because of persecution. Can you think in your own mind of any such cases? I was thinking of Dan Cathy. He would be a great example of that. He's the owner of Chick-fil-A. You remember quite a while back now, he made it known to the, to the world that, that marriage in his mind is defined between a man and a woman. And he took a lot of heat from that. The world hammered him because of that. He was persecuted because of his faith in Jesus. If if you've seen the movie, God's Not Dead, you saw a scenario in that movie that could just be on any major college campus in our country. A student could be persecuted because of what they believe about Jesus. But I'm thinking it, it isn't just located on the major college campuses in our country. That could happen right across the street here at the community college. That can happen at the high school. That can happen at your place of employment. If you are one who makes it known to those people around you that you believe that Jesus is the only way to be saved and there's no other way to the Father except through Jesus... You're setting yourself up to become a target of others. You may well have persecution come your way because of that kind of stand, that kind of of narrow-mindedness, the world would say. 
if you would be one who would say, I believe that homosexuality is a sin and it's something that God will not tolerate. You make that kind of a stand in your public setting, at work, at school, at college, and probably you are going to become a target for persecution. You will be labeled a homophobic, you will be called an intolerant bigot, and you will be a target for attack. Sometimes our suffering may indeed come from persecution. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12 says, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But so many of us are unwilling to take such a stand. We want to be quiet. We want to blend in rather than stand out. And if that's the case for us, we will give to God an answer for that. Let me give to you another source for suffering that we have to consider. What about Satan? Certainly we know that Satan was the source for Job's problems. If you're familiar with that story, Mark preached on that topic last week. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us that he had a thorn in the flesh and he called it a messenger of Satan that was tormenting him. So when we are trying to figure out what what is the source of my suffering, where is suffering come from, let's not forget that nasty dragon of old that oftentimes he's right in the middle of our suffering. He wants to bring us down. Jesus said that he wants to kill us and steal from us and destroy us. Understand that he has no good in mind for you. And whatever suffering you're going through, Satan wants to be there and use it to your destruction. How about this? Another cause for suffering. And we'll talk about this as the weeks go by. Just the fact that we live in a fallen world. The Bible tells us that that this whole world groans and suffers the pains of childbirth, longing to be set free from its slavery to corruption. You can read about that in Romans chapter 8. This creation, this world is under a curse because of sin long ago in the Garden of Eden. Therefore, we have earthquakes. We have hurricanes, we have tornadoes, we have famines and floods. The bottom line is there are lots of sources for our suffering. The question still remains, if God loves us, if God is all-powerful, why doesn't He show it by shielding us from such terrible experiences? Well, I think sometimes God does intervene. I want to read to you a piece here that that I found from another preacher. He's actually talking about Matt Proctor. You may recognize that name. Matt Proctor is the president of Ozark Christian College. And this is what was written about him as he has told his story. Matt has actually relayed this story to me personally. But let me read what has been written here. Matt Proctor, president at Ozark Christian College, related a harrowing and yet inspirational experience when a devastating tornado ripped through Joplin, Missouri on May 22, 2011. And we all remember that. 
Matt and his wife, Katie, were transporting more than a dozen junior high kids from a youth activity back to their church. Katie was driving the lead van and Matt was trailing her when the tornado sirens went off. Seconds later, a vicious wind began whipping through the area. Rain and hail pelted the vehicles to the point that Katie could barely see beyond the front of her vehicle. Suddenly, a large tree came crashing down right in her path. Katie slammed on the brakes, stopping just inches from the fallen tree. Matt halted directly behind her and through the howling wind yelled for the kids to get out of the vans. They raced all the youth to the nearest house, pounded on the door, and asked if they could come inside for protection. The stranger hurried them all down into her basement until the storm had roared on by. The proctors learned minutes later that if they had continued 100 yards beyond the fallen tree, they would have been directly in the path of that catastrophic half-mile-wide F5 tornado that killed 161 people. We ask, why doesn't God spare His people from suffering? Sometimes He does. Doesn't He? Maybe he does so often. However, when he intervenes, we're usually not even aware of it. Isn't that true? That I wonder how many times has God intervened into our pathway and saved us from catastrophe, and we don't even know that he did. Or, Bob Russell, who wrote this, says, maybe we label it as a coincidence but we don't recognize it as an act of God. I think God does intervene into our lives, oftentimes, and he saves us from pain and suffering. I would bet if we gave you an opportunity that we could have different people stand up all over this auditorium and just give testimony about times in their own life where they have recognized God's intervention of saving them or helping them sparing them of more pain and suffering. I want to share with you a little bit uh, an analogy. Now, if you were here at the movie last Sunday night, you heard Bob Russell just briefly mention this, but he didn't go into more detail. I, I just want to take this analogy a little bit more further and deeper than what he did. Why does a father take the training wheels off of his child's bicycle? I mean, that father knows that this action will produce some suffering. He knows that a spill is inevitable. He knows that his, his child, whom he loves so much, is going to fall. There's going to be a scrape on the knee. There's going to be some bloodshed, possibly, some tears. And yet he still takes those training wheels off of that bicycle, and then he steps back and he watches anxiously as his son or daughter goes through some hardship before they finally learn to stay up on that bicycle. And then, oh, the fun and the thrill and the adventure. I, I was thinking about that this last week, and, and my mind drifted back to when I was probably in my middle school years. I was uh, 
learning to ride a motorcycle. Now, I don't know that this was my first time on a motorcycle, but it certainly was amongst the first times that I was on a motorcycle. I was in the backyard of my parents' home. We, they're in O'Fallon, Missouri. They owned five acres, so it was a pretty, pretty good spot to learn to ride a motorcycle in the yard. And I was towards the back of the property and uh, going around the garden area, and there was a fence there, a barbed wire fence that separated our property line from the farmer who was behind us and he had a large pasture there in which he gra- had cattle grazing. And uh, so I'm, I'm driving my motorcycle just very slowly around the garden, and I make that turn, and I get just anxious and, 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 and excited over the, the position that I was in. And instead of hitting that brake, I did this. I hit the throttle, and before I knew it, that motorcycle had leaped into that barbed wire fence. And I will tell you, you already know this, barbed wire fences and motorcycles and human bodies don't mix very well. And I was off to the emergency room, and it was not pretty. And I have scars still today all over my right leg because of that wreck. And I'm wondering, why in the world did my dad ever let me back on a motorcycle? You know why? I think he must have figured that there was fun and enjoyment on the other side if I learned to master that motorcycle. And our Heavenly Father is just the same way. There is, He knows that there is life on the other side of our troubles. He knows that there is a more full life, a more complete life, just on the other side of our troubles. But He knows too, in order for us to reach that fullness, we have to go through our troubles, and so He lets us. And just like that loving father who steps back from the bicycle and he watches his child crash and burn, God is not very far away from us and he is oh so willing to help us if we let him. He will pick us up. He will care for us. He will wash off our wounds. He will help us get back on that bicycle and He will be there on the other side when we learn to master the ride. He will smile and He will celebrate with us. Our Father lets us go through suffering. Yes. But He has these promises for us amidst the suffering. And when you go through 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 trials, when you go through times of pain and suffering in your life, you need to grab hold of these promises. And the first promise is simply this. He says, I will be with you. Would you say that with me? If this is God talking, he says, I will be with you. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's God talking to us. He says, never. Underline that word in your Bibles. Underline that word in your mind and in your heart. God says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. 
And we need to remember who it is that is giving to us this promise. He is the one who was strong enough to divide the waters of the Red Sea and the people of Israel walked through on dry ground. He is the same one who was with David when he fought the giant. He is the same one who was with Joshua and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. This is the one who was with Daniel in the lion's den. This is the one who was with the disciples when they were in the boat and the wave was blowing and tossing them around and and the waters were coming into the boat and these disciples knew that they were going to drown until Jesus stood up and said, Peace be still. And that same Jesus, that same God is the one who says, I will be with you. Always. Even unto the end of the age. Never will I leave you. Never will I desert you. He said to the people of Israel through Moses, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do you remember the context of that passage? They just had... Ten spies go into the, prom- into the promised land and they came back and they had given a report and now, now they are they're saying, can we do this? I mean, the fortified cities and, and we are small like grasshoppers in their sight and they are strong and we are, we are weak and God is saying, I will be with you. I will never desert you. Be strong and courageous. Moses turned to Joshua, who's going to be leading these people into the promised land. And he said this, The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And we need to hear that message ourselves. Because sometimes it's really easy to get afraid or to become discouraged. That's what the word dismayed means. It means to be discouraged. We can get overwhelmed by our problems, by, by the pain that we are facing, the seemingly overwhelmingly odds that are against us. And God says, do not fear, I will be with you. I can almost hear him saying this, I got this. Your cancer, I've got it. It's, It's in my hands. It's right here in the palm of my hands. I got it. It's not too big for me. Do not fear. Your unemployment is not too big for me. I am with you. Your loneliness is not too big for me. I am with you. Don't be afraid. Whatever it is you're facing, we need to remember this promise from God the Father that He says to us, He will never leave us or forsake us. Even through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I was thinking of 
some of the times way back when my kids were little and, and maybe one of them would be crying in their room as they're laying in the bed trying to go to sleep and, and yet they can't because they were afraid. And maybe, I don't know, maybe they were afraid of the boogeyman that was going to climb out of the closet. Maybe they're afraid of the, of the monster that's going to come out from underneath the bed. You know how kids can sometimes dream up things in their mind and they're, what they're afraid of. And so in those kinds of times, it would be helpful if Cindy or I would simply go in and lay beside them and hold them and pray with them and talk to them and assure them that all is well. And when we would do that, they'd settle down and they'd go to sleep most of the time. (laughs) The fear would leave. All was well when mom or dad was with them. And folks, we have the Lord of the universe. We have God Almighty, the great I Am who is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. And we can be at peace. We can be comforted. And I like how Mark Scott ended his first sermon last week. He said, someone will share your foxhole with you. And that someone is the Lord God Almighty. There are promises in this book that we need to grab a hold of when we're going through times of suffering. And the first promise that we need to grab hold of is God says, I will never leave you. I will be with you. How about promise number two? He says, I'll help you grow if you trust me. My very favorite passage in all of the Bible, Proverbs chapter 3 Verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. I love that passage of Scripture. It has carried me through so many times of darkness and and so many times of hardship and uncertainty. And you know what? As I look back over my shoulder, it's during those times of hardship in my life that I've grown the most. That God has been with me and He's carried me through those times and it's those times that I have grown more than any other time. He will grow you as you go through the fire and you'll come out of the fire on the other side more pure and more complete and more mature. That's, that's what James chapter 1 verses 2 to 4 says. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What that scripture is saying is simply this. When you go through the through the fire, when you go through hardships and times of suffering, you look to him and he will grow you up spiritually he'll carry you through the fire and you're going to be a stronger more complete person on the other side isn't isn't it true for you as it is for me when i go through times of suffering and pain i pray more and i call out to him louder 
and I, my mind is more in tune with Him than during the times that I'm not in the fire. And isn't it true that when I'm going through the fire, I, I hope this is true for you, that when you are in the Word, He's speaking to you louder. He's, he's using Scripture maybe that you have read before. It, it's not been meaningful to you before, but now all of a sudden it's jumping off of the page to you. It's making sense, and it's those words that are helping you Grab hold of something that is stronger than you. And that something is Him. He's an anchor amidst the storm. He is our shelter. He is our solid rock amidst the storms of life. If we'll hold on to Him. And so God's promise to you amidst times of suffering is this. I will grow you through the storm if you trust me. And here's a third promise. And I'm thankful for this one. He says, I'll make everything right someday. Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. And He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. What a glorious place heaven is going to be. And so may we say with the Apostle John, Lord Jesus, would you come quickly? When that day comes, whatever suffering that you are going through, that suffering is going to cease and it will be made right forever. You will, you will forget the suffering that you are now enduring. Because heaven is just going to be that much beyond your imagination. He'll make everything right someday. The troubles will be gone, and it will be party time up there. That's a party that we don't want to miss. It will be a celebration like none other. But until then, there are trials. And there is suffering and there is pain that we have to put up with. It's been two months since my dad passed away. And I don't know the number of times. And you you that have experienced this already in your life, you, you can identify with what I'm saying. Probably it's happened to you as well. I don't know the number of times that I've thought about picking up the phone and calling him since since he died, and then I catch myself, I can't do that. He's not there. And a couple of times that I've been with my mom, I've actually turned to speak to him. Not there. Not going to be there. I won't see him until I get up there, and then once I get there, it will be all right. I just need to hold on to Jesus. And someday He will make everything right. He'll do that for you just as He will do that for me. And so over these weeks ahead, the next six Sundays, we're going to look at the life of Joseph. We're going to see how God helped Joseph through some terrible struggles. And I want to encourage you this week to pick up your Bible and read Joseph's story. You'll find it in Genesis chapter 37 to the end of the book through chapter 50. Read his story and come prepared to hear how God helped make things right 
for Joseph even amidst times of suffering. And he'll do the same for you and me. He'll make it right. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your being in control. Thank you for your great love. Your great promise, Lord, of being with us and that you will help us through the fires. May we hold on to you, Father, in Jesus' name.